Lucky Land Slots, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to ETF Working Lunch, an ETF.com podcast in partnership with Women in ETFs. We get together with some of the smartest women in this business and we talk shop. I'm Cynthia Murphy, and today we are talking about a subject that's truly near and dear to my heart, which is communications. You know, the business of storytelling, the narrative. And joining me today for this conversation is Julia Stoll. She's Associate Vice President of Media Relations and Business Development at Macmillan Communications. Welcome, Julia. Thanks, Cynthia. It's great to be here with you today. I'm excited because I love to talk to storytellers and you're in the business of, you know, getting the story right. So, Before we get into it, you know, I know you've been working at Macmillan in New York City for a while now, but tell us a little bit about how, as a communicator, you found your way into the ETF world. Why ETFs? Why are you in this corner of the universe? Absolutely. Well, it actually was a funny story because it started off from when I got laid off from a job. It was not in the communications field necessarily. I was working at a real estate marketing firm helping market land, raw land to real estate investors and home builders. Something completely different than what I'm doing now. But at the same time, a lot of overlapping themes when it comes to marketing, selling a story, you know, explaining to to the end target, you know, why this is important, why you should be interested. But backing up, you know, I had studied advertising in college. I didn't have that desire to go to an ad agency right out of school. So I ended up going home to California, getting involved with a family business that needed some close attention, which was, of course, near and dear to my heart as well. So it was tough that, you know, I was working in an area after school when you're so young and you're looking for, you know, to really build your career. That was something that really wasn't aligned with what I was interested in, but, you know, something I cared about because it was family related. But after spending a few years doing that, I um, ended up trying to see really what was important to me, what I was interested in. And I started dabbling in some various areas, including real estate, marketing, which, you know, I just mentioned, as well as event planning and coordination, which was really interesting to me as too, but I didn't love how unstable it was for, you know, a career. It was very independent contractor work, weekend work, you know, things that as a 25 year old, you're like, "Uh, I'm not sure if I really want to be doing that, Mm -hmm. but still a lot of excitement. And I learned a ton. So the day I got laid off, you know, I was definitely not expecting it. it came out of left field. Of course, no one wants to hear that news, but it really ended up becoming a blessing in disguise. It allowed me some time to really reevaluate what I wanted to do, where I wanted to be and what was important. And so I ended up stumbling upon an opportunity that really allowed me to marry the things that I had learned over the years, um, which I really wasn't sure that there would be an opportunity to do that. And coincidentally, that was with ETF Trends and Tom Lydon. So I was able to bring sales experience, marketing experience, coordination, events, relationship building skills, all to this new industry that I really had no prior background on. So, you know, it was a quick, fast-paced learning experience with Tom and his team. You know, I was thrown into into the industry 
really quickly, you know, a couple months in, I was at my first Inside ETFs, meeting folks, learning what this industry is about, and honestly having an amazing time, but also very intimidating as someone who doesn't have that same financial background. Mm -hmm. After spending a couple of years with Tom, which was incredible, you know, foot in the door to this industry that, you know, felt so much like what I hear was the mutual fund industry back in the day when it was first getting started, like, you know, entrepreneurial and innovative and interesting people and not so buttoned up, but still smart and educated and and ambitious um, was really exciting for me. And, you know, I spent a couple years with Tom and meeting folks and, and working with some amazing clients and ended up, you know, meeting Chris Sullivan, who I've been working with now for three and a half years. And, you know, through having mutual clients and seeing each other at conferences, we ended up connecting. And, you know, I had it really, you know, like I mentioned, interest in moving to New York City. Um, That was something I'd been dreaming of for my whole life almost. So it was a perfect stepping stone into this PR role, which has allowed me to continue that that same development I've been having with the ETF industry and, and work closer with some of these clients that I've already been working with, working with new clients who I'd seen or met over the years and, and really build my communication skills, really find a niche for myself in a career. Like, it's just, you know, it's one of those things where you're like, oh, I got laid off. Like, my life, it just seems like, you know, where am I going from here? And it, it's like one of those things where things just work out and they just click and you just got to trust in the process. Yeah, it's it's fascinating just uh, how much we have in common, Julie. I mean, I remember I got a pink slip once uh, right after college, after my first job, the company went bankrupt. And all I remember from that experience was that I was so disappointed it wasn't actually pink. It was just a white piece of paper, <laughs> like the saddest <laughs> message ever. And there was a letdown. But uh, but just the idea of also just building a career based on opportunities. You know, uh, I think when we're younger, and I am way older than you are, but um, we are taught just this idea that you have to plan it all out and know exactly where you're going And sometimes a career is entirely accidental if you're just open to that opportunity. So I think it's really cool because my path was a little bit that way too. Just taking a risk on various accidents along the way and uh, you just find where you're supposed to be. So Julia, it's, uh, you know, when we think about communications, it's a pretty straightforward meaning is to communicate a message, you know, tell your story. When we think about that in the context of financial services, asset management, what does that really mean day to day? Are there specific things that are unique to what communication looks like in this space? Great questions. I think for us, what's most important when it comes to communication and what we're doing on a day-to-day basis really comes down to relationships. These are really the number one thing for us. So we really value the ongoing dialogue and respect that we share between you know, ourselves and, and the journalists, producers, reporters out there, you know, we've built a really strong foundation with them over the years. And, and we look to support their work, you know, by helping finding angles and timely thoughts to share with them, you know, while they also come to us looking for sources and experts that we have on our bench. I think this two-way street is a really valuable asset for us and, and for the the media. And that's something that, you know, on a day-to-day basis is going on, um, whether you know, the client knows about it or not, 
these dialogues are continuing to take place and we're continuing to, to you know, brainstorm together, think of how we can work together. When it comes to clients on a day-to-day you know, basis, it really depends on a client's needs and what their focus is and what their current goals are. You know, are they having ongoing dialogues with the press already on a certain topic? Are they just launching a new fund and entering the space, you know, for the first time? Are we looking to make introductions, you know, get their brand out there, really build a bench of, of spokespeople on their team that, that can speak to different areas and different asset classes or different investment themes? Are they building out a lineup? Are they, ex- you know, expanding a new arm of their company, hiring a new, you know, COO or, you know, there are variables in how we are con- continuously communicating with with the news and what what's going on per client. So a lot of that just is you know day to day communicating with clients, emailing back and forth, getting on the phone, having weekly check ins. You know, as communicators, there's so much communication going on, and it's within the entire you know landscape of what we're doing. Um, so whatever the story is, you know, for the client. We help identify and craft those messages and strategize on who to bring this message to. What's the best way to share this and why it's important and why it's timely and why, you know, journalists and reporters should care and why they should be tuned into this. You know, there's a lot of, like I said, communication going on behind the scenes. So with another aspect of how we work with our clients very closely is, you know, we're not waiting around for an ETF issuer or client to come to us and say, hey, like, this is something we want to promote. We're constantly looking at what's going on in the news, strategizing on angles that we can bring to reporters, whether it's something on inflation and you have a strategy that works on that. Great. Like we're already pitching that. You don't, we don't necessarily need to come to the client and, or have the client come to us. You know, we we try to be as proactive as possible and looking for fresh thoughts and ideas that we can share with our contacts. I would think, you know, the concept of, of return on investment, you, even if in this case, investment is in a way time, you know, we see a lot on our side of the business, just this bigger and bigger appetite for data, you know, like how do you really show return on investment? So I'm just curious from, you know, a communication strategy is there the same kind of movement on clients looking for confirmation of that value? Like, is it just a matter of here, we got you on this many platforms to, to tell your story? Or are there different metrics that are emerging as a way to confirm that the communication is effective and it is delivering results? That's a great question. You know, for our clients, data is definitely something that is front of mind when it comes to thinking about, you know, the impact of PR and what we're doing for them. We've been evaluating the ways that we can share metrics because that's something that's definitely pretty difficult in our field. Um, You know, at least challenging. We can provide specific data points as far as sentiment around articles. There are, you know, you can look for share of voice when it comes to you versus a competitor, you know, are you getting more share of voice in the media? Are you, you know, what is the value in an article? Like, are you, you know, do you have significant quotes? Are there tickers included? Are you the only one quoted? There are variables that help share, you know, tell us the the type of value that you're getting in a certain piece, you know, of course, as well as, you know, types of outlets that you're reaching, you know, if you've got a profile in Barron's or Bloomberg, like, obviously, that's a great win. Where, where it is difficult is tracking, you know, aligning or finding correlation between 
PR and asset growth. You know, you can have someone on CNBC and they, you know, they mention a ticker and all of a sudden a bunch of shares are traded, but that's not necessarily something you can track with articles, print, um, podcasts, you name it. Like it's something that is definitely challenging and something we're continuing to look at in our in our work and and how we can provide this data for our clients and, and potential new clients because this is a question that comes up um, you know clients are looking for coverage reports they're looking for as much data and details that we can share and that's just something that's continuing to evolve and we're trying to get to the bottom of and and seeing how we can best share you know the, the great work that we're doing and and the great work that they're doing. I guess on some level, this is also about, uh, you know, just managing client expectation, which, you know, brings us to to the idea of the fit between communicator and client. In the advisory space, we, we talk about that kind of stuff a lot. You know, is the client right for the advisor? Is this advisor right for the client? Is that dynamic also an issue when it comes to communicator client, how do you know that the client and the communications team is the right match? Absolutely. And that's that's something that, you know, really should be carefully looked at on both sides. Um, you know, it's not enough to just be good and have a good track record and, and an ETF sponsor with a good idea. Like personalities need to jive. You need to understand you know, what we do and why you're hiring us and how we work and really how the media works as a whole. Understanding what journalists are looking for. You know, we've 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 encountered, you know, firms where they seem to think a PR firm calls up and tells a reporter the type of story to write. We make, you know, we, we, we joke that they expect there to be some like menu, like press one for a mm-hmm. Q&A, press two for a profile. And it's just Part of our job is making sure that we educate on that process and in doing so, you know, it it really helps to have these introductory calls that we generally, um, we have a few of those when we're chatting with potential new clients, getting a sense of what are their resources? You know, what are their expectations? Like you said, do they expect there to be, you know, their fund to be an overnight hit? Or are they coming at this with a growth plan and understanding that the channels that they need to be into and the people that they need to be in front of, are they up for, up for putting in the work? You know, not necessarily meaning giving them an extra job, but will they be accessible to us? Will they work closely with us? Will they approach, you know, the journalist and opportunities we provide as a relationship opportunity, not so much a transactional mindset? And this is something we really try to, you know, educate on and, and vet because, that's not going to set any of us up for success if that's the type of, you know, mindset that you're coming with. And then, of course, you know, does this client have a really good point of differentiation? You know, this is a crowded space. It's only getting more crowded. Do they have something that, you know, fits into a new corner, a new asset class? Are they telling the story well? You know, we pay close attention to each of these things. And for an industry that requires both time and capital, you know, we want to ensure that those we're talking to are, are also in it for the long haul. But um, the process is, you know, when you're, we're getting to know new clients, it's straightforward, you know, whether it's reaching out to them or vice versa. We have several, you know, getting to know you conversations. Everything's digital now. So Zooms are trying to get, you know, we try to get a few talks in the works before we provide a proposal where we can put out high level thoughts in our strategy. And then also, you know, with expectation comes time. Time can be the biggest part, you know, so... And for those who, you know, are in this industry really know that this takes years to build a brand and, and build assets. And, and it's, 
it's challenging. And so, you know, we want to make sure that they know going in what they can expect mm-hmm. and what they're going to need. And, you know, if you hire a PR firm, you can't just push us out there and say, find us coverage. Like that's not going to work over the long term. So um, like I've said, what's really impactful and helpful for us and really, you know, allows for a great relationship between us and our client is support from both sides. You know, the client is supporting us with ideas and content and fresh thoughts. We are always flagging trends for clients, flagging what what maybe they should be doing or, you know, thinking about when it comes to what's in the news. Um, And then also having them flag, you know, what they're hearing from clients. And if there's certain areas that clients are wanting to learn more about, you know, maybe that's something that's a bigger trend that we can work on. Mm -hmm. You know, I think the ETF industry, you know, it's just, it's very collaborative. And I think it's very unique in that it's creative. You know, you have people coming out with such creative new strategies and and ways of communicating and, and marketing plans. It's, it's expanding tremendously. And, you know, we want to make sure the fit like really fits with us as well. No, that that makes sense. Fit is everything (laughs) at the end of the day, you know. So before I let you go, I was I think one of the the great perks of talking to a storyteller is that they have great stories to tell. So <laughs> do tell, you know, the ETF industry, as you said, it's, it's a creative space. It's a collaborative space and it's full of really interesting, colorful characters too. So, mm. you know, I'm just wondering of all the folks you've crossed paths with over the years, you've worked with on any capacity, learned from or ran away from at events or <laughs> anybody, anybody has made a, that has made a lasting impression or really imparted some wisdom that you find yourself today, you can't live without, you know, who really, who really stood the test of time for you? I love this question. And it's true. I mean, the, the industry is full of amazing people and, you know, interesting minds and different personalities. And it's growing. I mean, I'm seeing more women at, at conferences, women ETFs, like there's so much growth and incredible people that I've met. And that's such a big you know reason as to why I'm still in this field and why I found a career in this. And I think, you know, <laughs> this is one of my favorite stories is because, as I mentioned, you know, I was thrown into the ETF industry, like almost literally thrown to Florida for the Inside ETFs conference, it was a couple months in and I was helping, you know, they have the pundits do their ETF battle of the best new ETF ticker. And of course, you know, working for Tom Lydon, he had chosen she, the State Street ETF. And we were handing out these pink t-shirts with she all over them, which I'm sure a lot of people remember. It's hard to, you know, ignore that. But we ended up winning and down by the bar at the beach at the Diplomat, Tom introduced me to Jim Ross, the which I didn't know at the at that time necessarily, is like the godfather of ETFs. And there we were, Jim and I, you know, making jokes, chatting, talking about Boston. I was kind of, you know, I'm a Yankees fan, he's a Red Sox fan. We immediately like hit, you know, hit it off in the sense of we <laughs> disagree on all of these things, but our personalities jive. And like what a serendipitous moment to meet someone who is such a well-known, you know, industry leader and creator and, and hard worker and so humble. And to have that opportunity in like the first couple months of, of my career was just 
fascinating. And, you know, it's been amazing because Jim and I, you know, we've worked together over the years. We've had drinks over the years. I was able to attend his retirement party at the stock exchange. There's been so much build for us and as a mentor and just as friends and colleagues. It's just, it was a very special moment and it's been a very special relationship that I've had with him. Um, And it's just, it's just, you know, little did I know that that's where Mm -hmm. it would take me. And, And here I am now. So I just, you know, I think that really sums up how, like you said, opportunity arises. You never know. Yeah, and this industry really is full of um, really true friends and and great people yeah. for for a lifetime. So it's That's true. Um, it's it's a I miss seeing your special. friends. So hopefully soon we can all. Well, hopefully twenty twenty two will be the year when we will see yes. each other again. So yes, we are coming on that. <laughs> it's such a so, fun. Julie, dream. we'll have to to leave it at that for for today. Thank you so much for for joining the show and sharing your your stories with us. My pleasure. Thank you so much. It was so much fun, and I'm looking forward to seeing what 2022 has to bring for the ETF industry. So. Looking forward to connecting soon on that. Same here. Folks, if you would like to hear previous episodes or learn more information about ETF Working Lunch, check out ETF.com. For more information about women in ETFs and ways to get involved with that group, please check womeninetfs.com. On behalf of the ETF.com team, thank you for listening, and we will catch you next time. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. 